And a one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk Podcast. My name is Jason. And we are continuing today with our Bible in a Year podcast. We are up to week 48. 48. We're in December. The full holiday swing going. And uh, today we're in Ezekiel 36 to 48. And we got first and second Peter. Uno and dos. And um, some of my uh, favorite uh, scriptures in the Bible. Second Peter. I really like Second Peter. Uh, we'll go over that today. And uh, a lot to go through, man. Some awesome stuff. I was really geeking out on this this past week. And um, this amazing uh, scriptures. And uh, again, as usual, a little cross-pollination going on and some really rich, delicious, deliciousness. So um, let's go ahead and jump in here again. Week 48, Bible in a Year. We'll start with Ezekiel. We're at Ezekiel 36. Through 48, let me set this here, and let's jump in here. Ezekiel 36, Um, again, he's still, uh, Ezekiel is uh, sounding the warning here uh, to Israel of what's coming, and um, this just really resonates with me. Uh, this has in a way that was kind of unexpected as I read through uh, um, just prophet the prophet after prophet and this this specific part of Israel's history of their warning and um, just the just the way that I feel like as I read the New Testament there's a similar um, feeling there we'll see it in uh, Peter of this this alarm this sense of urgency that this is really happening um, um, there really is a type of judgment coming and and I love I love how um, you see in Ezekiel um, uh, where actually he he I don't know if he's quoting just this this Ezekiel here in Peter and in and in Paul's writings how uh, God God doesn't want anybody to perish. It's his grace. He he's gracious. He doesn't want um um this judgment to come on anybody and that's why the warning is so intense and and over and over and over again uh warning people of what's coming and uh it's very uh, similar to uh, uh, what we'll see in the New Testament as well. A, a similar thing where people are not uh, taking it seriously. They don't believe um, uh, God is watching. God is um, uh, um, 
aware of what they're doing or that they're going to pay and um, uh, that there is a, um, a reckoning, a reckoning coming, really. I, what, what, ha, however you want to think about uh, judgment or that kind of thing, there's, there's some kind of reckoning coming and uh, the alarm is being sounded. So uh, this is definitely... Uh, uh, should resonate with us the uh, this chapters in Ezekiel for, for now too. Uh, Thirty six, son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel. The enemy has spoken against you. The high places are ours. The Lord says, because you have been crushed and are now property of the nations and are mocked, I have spoken and fired in zeal against the nations who made my land their property. Because you endure the insults. The surrounding nations will also endure insults. So again, there's this thing that happens with these uh, the judgment of Israel that uh, it's incredible. The other nations sort of celebrate and laugh at them, and then they get it as well. So uh, be careful in celebrating somebody else's downfall. Uh, the mountains of Israel will bear fruit for my people. I will multiply the people. Uh, again, we'll see this this idea of uh, restoration, uh, redemption, right in the midst of all this uh, judgment and calamity at the same time. Um, it's incredible. Uh, I will no longer subject you to the nation's insult. The house of Israel defiled the land when they lived there, so I poured my anger on them. When they left the land, they profaned my name. I was Concern for my own reputation. Another theme there is the reputation of the Lord. Uh, why he does what he does, even in his grace and love, um, which I like to think is about me, is about his own reputation uh, as a loving, gracious being. He's being faithful to his name. I will gather you from the nations. You will be cleaned of impurities. When I clean your sins, I will populate the city. The desolate land will be turned into Eden. 37. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit and placed me in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. He made me walk among them. There were many dry bones there. He said, Can these bones live? I said, You know, Lord. He said, prophesy over these bones and tell them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says, I am about to infuse breath into you and you will live. I will put tendons and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will live. So I prophesied. There was a sound when I prophesied, a rattling, and the bones came together. I love this imagery. I saw tendons and muscles appear and skin and there was breath in them. He said, prophesy to the breath. The Lord says to the four winds, breathe in these corpses so they may live. So I prophesied and uh, breath was in them and they lived and stood as a great army. Then he said, these bones are the house of Israel. They are saying our bones are dry, our hopes are perished. We are cut off. Again, this redemptive plan here. Literally back from the dead, the, the imagery of bones coming back together, being reformed. Uh, incredible knowing how Israel is reformed out of the ashes as well. Tell them the Lord says, I'm about to raise you from the graves. 
and will bring you to the land of Israel. I will place breath in you. I will give you rest in your own land. The Lord said, As for you, son of man, take a branch and write on it. For Judah, another branch, write. Uh, for Joseph, and a branch for Ephraim, the house of Israel, join them as one stick. I am about to take the branch of Joseph, which is in the hand, and place them on the stick of Judah. Make them into one stick. David will be king, one shepherd. I will make a covenant of peace with them. Chapter 38, the word of the Lord came, turn to Gog and Magog. Prophesy against them. I will put hooks in your jaws and bring you out of your army with Persia and Ethiopia. You will be summoned after many days. You will come to the land restored from the ravages of war. Israel's people will be living you will advance and come like a storm. Uh, they will be living securely at this time. You will have an evil plan. You will attack. Uh, you will come to loot and spoil. When Israel is secure, you will notice and come from the north. I will bring you against my land. When Gog attacks my land, my rage will be uh, come like fire. Remember that. My rage will come like fire. We'll hear about that in Peter, I believe, some of that imagery. The day will be like an earthquake. The mountains will topple and the earth will shake. I will call a sword against Gog. I will reveal myself against the nations. Um, this is imagery, I believe, also coming in Revelations, which I love that we're reading this now. Uh, these are coming attractions, folks. Gog and Magog. 39. Prophesy against Gog. The Lord is against you. I will lead you against the mountain of Israel. You will fall dead on the mountain. You will be food for wild animals. I will send fire on Magog. My holy name will be known and not profaned anymore. Then those living in Israel will burn all of their weapons for seven years. Um, I will make a grave, a valley for Gog and the Lord, and his Lord to be buried in. For seven months they will bury them. Tell the birds and beasts to get ready. I will exercise judgment. I will no longer hide my face from them. Chapter 40. In the 25th year of exile, the city was struck down. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me there through a vision. He placed me on a high mountain in Israel, and it was like a city. There was a man there whose appearance was like bronze. With a linen cord and measuring stick, he said, pay attention and tell Israel what you see. Um, so I'm going to skip through some of this. It gets pretty detailed. Um, he gives all these measurements, different measurements. And um, it's of the temple and different rooms in the temple and archways and all kinds of stuff. Um, he sees a wall outside the temple. He measures it ten and a half feet long and high. He measures the gate and the rooms. He goes to the south gate, again, rooms, arches, and porch. East gate, um, equipment used for the temple, for the slaughter, uh, chambers for the priests. Um, all these things are measured by this man. Um, then he brought me to the temple and measured the arches and the porch. Chapter 41, he brought me to the main hall. They measure the main hall. Uh, in the inner room, which he said is the most holy place, he measures the side chambers, the tables, 
Chapter 42, then he led me to the north, to the outer court. It measures the facade. Chapter 43, uh, they measure the east gate. Uh, the glory of the Lord of God was coming from the east. The sound was like the ocean. Everything was shining. It was like the vision when God came to me came to destroy Jerusalem like the vision near the river. I immediately bowed my face to the ground. Um, I think that's a, a interesting side note. That's kind of the uh, natural uh, reaction to the presence of God. I immediately bowed my face to the ground. Um, I think sometimes there's like this cavalier kind of attitude about when you meet the Lord, how you would act or whatever. You run up and grab him or whatever. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you will. But it's kind of like um, hyper familiar. But there's something about this uh, expression of the Lord that uh, this is what happens. You... Um, you fall to the ground and um, and worship. Um, let's see, where was I? Uh, measurements. I just lost my place. He's measuring uh, the east gate. He gives him some rules. We're in chapter 44 here. Um, as far as certain gates... Uh, when he came through the gate, they can't use this gate anymore. It's now um, holy. Uh, the man took me through the north gate from the temple. The brightness of the Lord filled the temple. The Lord says, Ezekiel, son of man, pay attention to what kind of people are allowed in my temple and what kind are not. Tell the rebellious the Lord commanded you to stop your evil ways. My temple was disgraced. They broke my agreement. Some of the Levites turned their backs on me and worshipped idols. They can still serve in the temple, but only as guards. There's a certain group of Levites, the tribe descended from uh, Zadok. They were faithful. They're allowed to uh, continue to be priests. They must wear linen robes, nothing made of wool. Priests must never shave their heads. They must keep their hair trimmed, must not drink wine before going in the inner court. Can't marry a divorced woman, only marry a virgin or a widow of another priest. They must teach the people between what is sacred and what is ordinary, what is clean and unclean. Observe religious festivals and respect the Sabbath. So we're reestablishing Israel here, the whole Temple uh, process is being reestablished here. Touching bed, dead bodies makes a person unclean. I will provide for my priests. They will be given no land. They will receive part of the sacrifice. Uh, chapter 45, when the land is divided among the 12 tribes, set an area aside for me. The temple will be on a piece of land surrounded by open space. The Lord said, your leaders have cheated me long enough, cheated my people long enough. Stop sinning and do what is right. Never force people off their land again. The people must bring one-sixtieth of their grain to me, one percent of oil, one sheep for every two hundred. 
During new moon festivals, the leaders must be responsible for providing animals. Everyone must celebrate Passover in the Festival of Shelters. Chapter 46. Uh, instructions about closing the East Gate has to be closed. Um, each Sabbath, people must come to the East Gate to worship. On the Sabbath, they bring six lambs and one ram. Um, each morning, a year-old lamb must be offered. This will be offered every morning for all time. They're very interesting. The lamb. If the leader gives his land to his children, it belongs to the child as family property. If it's given to a servant, it's only his land until the year of celebration. Only rulers' children keep what is given to them. Chapter 47. The man took me to the back of the temple. I saw a stream flowing under the entrance. We walked to the temple in the east gate. I saw the stream flowing under the south gate. He measured the stream. The stream became a river. I, I could only cross it by swimming. The water flows east to the Jordan River and empties into the Dead Sea. When this river flows, it will bring life to the Dead Sea. There will be fish in the Dead Sea. The stream that flows from the temple will be used for healing people. That's fascinating. They will divide the land equally among the twelve tribes. Chapter 48. Each tribe will receive a section of land. Judah's territory will be a special section of land. My temple will be, will be located in that land. The center of the land will belong to me. Only priests can receive shares of that land. South of the sacred land belongs to the people of Israel, um, included in the city of Jerusalem. Each tribe will res or receive a section of land. The city of Jerusalem will have 12 gates, three on each of the four sides. The gates will be named after the 12 tribes. I love this. Reuben, Judah, Levi, Joseph, Benjamin, Dan, Simeon, Issachar, Zebulun, Gad, Asher, Nephtali. And the name of the city will be the Lord is here. Awesome. Okay, so that is our OT reading for today. I skipped through there a little fast, but it's a lot of measurements, a lot of measurements there. Uh, but I love it. They're reestablishing um, um, the ways of the people and how to live and how to uh, per per perform sacred duties and... Um, how to rebuild the temple, too. Um, incredible. Rebuilding it from the ashes. Now we're going to jump over to First Peter and Second Peter in the New Testament. First Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those in exile scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen by God by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The sprinkling of his blood. Blessed is God who caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of the dead to obtain an incorruptible, unfading inheritance. Kept in heaven. It's interesting, this uh, 
born again to living hope um the idea of being born again here what he's saying there born again to hope in what is to come uh for us which is waiting in heaven um i find that really interesting verbiage there uh, the reality of that, the reality of things to come and what is promised and and what has been done, um, it's huge through Peter. <laughs> Trying to grasp that knowledge for real um, comes up over and over, and I love it. Trials show the character of your faith. Uh, this brings great joy through you. Though you may suffer for a short time, he's trying to put things in perspective. The suffering of life, and um, I really appreciate this because um, it's so, I think it's the natural state of humans to just get caught up in our lives and what's going on around us in the world and our pain and suffering, and it's easy to get totally focused on that, and I just love how he's repeatedly trying to push back against that and get us to refocus on um, this other perspective, this other um, perspective of um, the knowledge of our inheritance, that which is to come. Um, gold is tested by fire. You have not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him, but you believe in him. You are attaining the goal of your faith, salvation of your souls. The prophets who predicted this grace, they searched for it. The Spirit of Christ was in them, telling them he would suffer and be given honor. Their message was for you. And I love this. Even angels wanted to know more. I find that really fascinating. <laughs> how, are, how are we more knowledgeable than these angels, these spirit beings? Get your minds ready for action, fully sober. That's another theme here. Be sober-minded over and over again. This this um, idea of getting your mind right, getting your mind on the right things and putting it in the right perspective, like a, the right filter on your mind. Get it sober. Set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus is revealed. When Jesus is revealed. Obey and don't come... Uh, comply with evil urges. Become holy in your contact. conduct. You should be holy because I am holy. If you address as father the judge, I love that, not just your father, he's the judge, who judges impartially, live out the time of your temporary residence here in reverence. Ah, man, that really resonates with me living a life of reverence for um, the reality of, of, of uh, there being a judge. And he says, you address him as father, so even more so you should be reverent, live your life in reverence. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world. Through him now we trust. Love one another with a pure heart. You have been born anew, not from perishable but imperishable seed through the word of God. All flesh is like grass. 
and it's all its glory like a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Chapter 2, get rid of evil and deceit. Hypocrisies yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk. I like the that idea of like a newborn wants pure milk. Uh, there's something to that. Something with children comes comes to mind. Staying childlike. Um, but then it says, "So you may grow up to salvation." What a interesting way of saying it. Grow up to salvation. Um, growing in salvation. That's another interesting concept. Not just the one-time deal. You're growing in it. And um, that's another theme that comes up in Peter quite a bit. It's like you have to keep working and reminding yourself of this salvation. It's a, it's a process. Um, very interesting. So as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God, you yourselves are living stones built in a spiritual house, acceptable to God through Jesus. Those who believe see value. Those who don't, he is a stumbling block to trip over. I lay in Zion a stone chosen and priceless cornerstone. Reminds me of all those uh, plans for the temple we were just reading about in Ezekiel. The cornerstone for all this. They stumble because they are destined to disobey. Destined to disobey. You are a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. Proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness. You are his people. You had no mercy, now you receive mercy. Exiles keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against your soul. Mm. Desires that do battle against your soul. There's a lot, I think, could be said there. Um Maintain good conduct among non-Christians so they can see your good deeds and glorify God. Be subject to all humans and to governors who are commissioned to punish wrongdoers. My police friends, there you go. Commissioned to punish wrongdoers. God wants you to silence foolish ignorance by doing what is good. Don't use your freedom for evil. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, be subject to masters. It's interesting. He talks about suffering, different types of suffering. If you suffer good, God favors. Christ also suffered. He threatened no retaliation. By his wounds, you were healed. He bore our sins so we can cease from sinning. Chapter 3. Wives, submit to your husbands. Then some of some who are disobedient will be won over by your conduct. Unbelieving husbands will be won over. Uh, the inner person of the heart, the beauty of a gentle spirit. He's talking about exterior beauty and interior beauty. How Sarah... Um, Adorn themselves to their husbands. Husbands, treat your wives with consideration. Show them honor as your fellow heirs. Be harmonious, sympathetic, affectionate, compassionate, humble. 
Do not return evil or insults. Bless others because you inherit a blessing. Again, the the ideas that trying to live in the reality of of the mercy and the blessing that has been given to you, which you are going to receive. Who will harm you for doing good? Do not be terrified of them if you suffer for doing good. Christ Set Christ as Lord in your heart. It's a popular one. Be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. Do it with courtesy and respect. It is better to suffer for good. Christ suffered. He went uh, by being... Uh, hang on here. Sorry, if you hear people laughing there, I'm going to party on there. Uh, Christ also suffered for sin once by being uh, put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He went and preached to the spirits in prison who were disobedient long ago in the days of Noah. Eight souls were delivered through water, a prefigure of baptism, which saves you through the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, okay, so he's referencing uh, that Christ went and preached to um, the people who had died in the days of Noah. <laughs> what? That's a trip. Uh, that's a that's a big rabbit trail for, to to me. Uh, where he got that idea and that reference, um, it comes up again later on. Chapter four: Since Christ suffered in the flesh, have the same attitude. Be finished with sin. You lived and debauchery. Now they're astonished you don't join them. Here it is. They will have a reckoning before Jesus who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. That's what I'm talking about, this reckoning that's coming. Uh, this is the this is the warning. Um I don't I don't always feel like I um see or hear that in churches, that warning or that reckoning coming. Um, um, it's big church, the big church with the capital C. So I'm sure it's happening. Uh, but it's definitely here in the New Testament. This warning, the sounding the alarm that a reckoning is coming, uh, with the judge, Jesus who stands ready to judge. James talked about that too. We were just talking about that. Uh, the gospel was preached to those who are dead so that they may live spiritually. The culminations of all things is near. I love this. And again, it's a sense of urgency. This is really happening right now. It's coming. It's happening. It's near. Um, you can feel that in Ezekiel. There's a sense of urgency there that's happening in uh, his, his uh, uh, prophetic voice. Same thing here. Be self-controlled, sober-minded. Above all, have love for one another. Show hospitality to one another without complaining. Use your gifts to serve one another. Speak with God's word. Serve with strength from God. Don't be astonished that a trial by fire is on you. Um, man, this was really speaking to me this week. It's going through a lot of stuff. And um, this is encouraging... And James and and uh, and Peter, it's it's like 
uh, definitely speaks into suffering, a uh, certain type of suffering that uh, these trials are going to come. It's going to happen, and you can make it through, and you can overcome. Uh, he says, don't be astonished that a trial by fire is on you as though something strange were happening. Rejoice in your sharing of suffering with Christ, but don't let anyone of you suffer as a murderer or thief or criminal or troublemaker. Suffer as a Christian. Glorify God's name. That part right there, that's that part messes with me because there's a certain part of suffering. A lot of times I feel like it's not, um, you know, suffering as a Christian. Uh, sometimes for me, you know what I mean? Just, just doing dumb stuff and then you pay the consequences. That's not really like getting a, a great reward for your suffering of making bad decisions. <laughs> uh, like you said, don't don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or a criminal or a troublemaker. There's different types of suffering. It's not just one blanket thing. Um, I love this. If the righteous are barely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Um, it's another thing. The uh, modern church sometimes gives a certain filter on some of this stuff. I mean, that's that's pretty intense, man. The righteous are barely saved. What will become of the ungodly and sinner? Let those who suffer entrust their uh, soul to God as they do good. Chapter 5. As your elder and witness of Christ, I urge the elders, shepherd the flock among you under God's direction. Don't lord it over them. You will receive a crown of glory. Younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourselves with humility. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a theme we heard in James. It's a consistent theme uh, throughout the scriptures. Uh, God resists or opposes the proud, but the, uh, gives grace to the humble. There is a great advantage to humility. Uh, it's how you learn anything. Um, and in the, in the arc, the story of, of Christianity, humility is the only way in. And, um, it's a great, uh, kind of leveling of the playing field. The humble get the grace. God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourself under his mighty hand. And I love this. How do you humble yourself? By casting all your care on him because he cares for you. That's, that's such an incredible verse. Casting your cares on him. And um, I th I'm thinking about this, the idea of prayer and our cares and our worries and things we have going on in our lives. And um, sometimes there's an idea of that that... God doesn't care. He has this other agenda, and I understand the sensibility. We're we're just asking how we can be useful to Him, um, in His agenda, and in, in that relationship. But within the relationship too, um, we have cares. We have things we have going on, and He cares about our cares too. Uh, he cares for us, and He knows what's best. And um, 
casting those cares on him. That's a whole. That's a that's a, uh, a something you have to learn to do. I'm trying to learn to do. How do how do you do that? Be sober and alert. Your enemy is like a lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Be strong in faith. After you have suffered a little while, God will restore, confirm, strengthen, establish you himself. To him belongs power forever. And he ends here through Sylvanus, a, br a faithful brother. I write briefly to encourage you, stand fast in it. The church of Babylon greets you, so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a loving kiss. Peace to all in Christ. Second Peter. This first chapter is one of my first uh, favorite chapters in the Bible. And it's this call, this call to continually be engaged with the, with the finished works of Jesus Christ and your salvation. Do not, um, well, it's just comes up th throughout the New Testament, this holding on to your faith, working through your salvation, continuing to re renew your mind. Uh, remind yourself who you are. Again, the natural state is to forget and to get caught up in all this other stuff. You have to continually remind yourself, and and I think for the for the church, for the for the Christians, that I, I don't know. This just seems so important. This c continual, consistent filter you're putting on your brain. And on your soul of the reality of Christ and what he's done in our salvation. Second Peter chapter 1. From Peter a slave, the apostle of Jesus to those granted faith in Jesus like ours. May grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God. Grow in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God. I think over the years I've seen a certain level of, and, and this comes back to humility too, of of uh, church folk uh, doing a kind of a mental ascent to to feeling like they have a knowledge, a certain lot knowledge of God, and um, I think there's more room to grow, <laughs> more room to grow in this knowledge. Uh, for all of us. I can pray this because his power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge. How do we live uh, the godly life? Through the knowledge of the one who called us. God made a great promise so you could have this nature. Again, that's a promise about something to come. How do you live it now? By remembering what's to come. Then we could escape our evil desire and corrupt influences of this world. How do you escape it? Uh, remember the promise. You could have his nature. Make every effort to add to your faith excellence or virtue. And to excellence knowledge and to knowledge self-control. And to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness. Brotherly affection and brotherly affection unselfish love. For if these things are are yours and increasing, they will help keep you from being 
ineffective and unproductive in your what? <laughs> Pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus more intimately. Pursuit of knowing. Again, this idea of growing in the knowledge of God and Jesus is, is such a huge theme here. In these things, when we live these things out, they will help keep you from being ineffective in knowing the Lord Jesus more intimately. Ungodliness uh, makes us ineffective in our ability to know Jesus. It's a block. Um, loss of self-control makes it harder to know Jesus intimately. Brother, not being walking in love. These are these are blocks. These are filters from our knowledge of knowing Him. Blocks that relationship. Those who lack these things are blind. They have forgotten about the cleansing of His past sins. Make every effort to be sure of your calling and election. That's strong language, guys. Every effort to be sure of your calling. Through this you won't stumble into sin. An entrance into the eternal kingdom will be provided for you. Will be. I want to remind you constantly of these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth. Um, I was talking to a friend today about that. This idea of... A con being constantly reminded, even though you already know the the gospel, I feel like sometimes we're moving on, or me, or I'm acting like I understand it, and there's more to be grasped there. There's a fuller understanding of that. Obviously, obviously, there's more to be grasped in that knowledge. As long as I am in this tabernacle, I consider it right to stir you up by way of reminder. Remembering. Um, that's a whole rabbit trail right there, just remembering. The idea of remembering. And uh, it's funny because it's remembering the past, but it's remembering what was done in the past, which affects our future. When we remember the past and the future... Of what Christ did, and and the uh, his second coming, and also the path he made uh, into his kingdom, an entrance into his kingdom that he provided, um, is how we live out the Christian life now. Remembering the past and remembering remembering the future. That's a message, folks, right there. Remember the future. Remember the future. I want to remind you constantly of these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth. He's saying, as long as I live, I consider it right to remind you of this truth. Since my body will soon be removed, I'm doing my best to make sure you remember all of this after I am gone. And I feel that way with my own children if there's anything I can do, man, um, in in my life, it's to it's to pass that on. When I'm gone, I I want them to know. I want them to to have it in their mind and their heart to remember what Christ has done. 
in the past on the cross and what that event did for the future and remembering that future that it could help them live out their lives for Christ now, right now, in love. That's an incredible idea. I want to remind you constantly of these things. When we told you about the power and the return of Jesus, we were not telling you clever stories someone had made up. I love this too. He, it's this insistence on the idea that, that, no, this is actually real. This really happened. And that it's really important that it really happened. It's not just a story. It literally happened. We saw with our own eyes his greatness. God said, this is my own dear son, and I am pleased with him. We were there on the holy mountain and heard the voice speak. This makes us certain what the prophet said is true. Pay close attention to their message like a light in the darkness. You must keep keep on paying attention until daylight comes and the morning star rises in your heart. I just... I think that's incredible. You have to keep on paying attention until the daylight comes. There's a lot to be said about that, man. No one alone can understand any prophecy in Scripture. The prophets were guided by the Spirit of God. That's huge, man. Just reading through the Bible this year, I'm like, you could come up with a whole lot of interpretations of this. It's a big book. It says a lot of things. There's a lot in there. It's, we're going to need the help of the Spirit of God. Chapter 2. Sometimes false prophets spoke to Israel. False teachers snuck in. They will, be, they will destroy themselves. Many follow lives. They try to cheat you with smooth talk. God decided long ago to punish them, and he's not sitting idly by. God didn't spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell and locked them in chains in utter darkness. Again, He's referencing some interesting things here. He did not spare the ancient world, only Noah and seven others. Check this out. He made Sodom and Gomorrah ashes as an example to future ungodly generations. That's New New Testament, guys. <laughs> Sodom is an example. He's not messing around. <laughs> it's so intense. He rescued Lot. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials. and to reserve the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in their fleshly desires and despise authority. There's that reckoning again. They are not afraid to insult glorious beings. Even angels don't accuse evil beings to the Lord. These people are like senseless, senseless animals. Their own corrupt deeds will destroy them. They enjoy wild parties and are adulterous. There's no end to their wicked deeds. They are headed for trouble. They follow the road of the prophet Balaam. He was a crook. They are like dry water holes. They brag about nonsense. They promise freedom but are slaves to filthy living. People are slaves to what controls them. Wow. When they learned about the Lord, they accepted the things of this world. But they, again, caught and controlled by filthy things. 
They learned about the things of the Lord. Now they're in worse shape than they were before. They would have been better off to have never known what is right. That's incredible. Here's a uh, fun uh, verse. A dog will come back to lick up its own vomit. A pig that has been moshed will roll in the mud. Chapter 3. This is second letter, and I encourage you to do some honest thinking. Don't forget what the prophets said would happen. Again, there's that also that um, reminder of the prophets. Uh, what they said was, was going to happen. And uh, the reckoning. You must never forget what the prophets taught us in the past. Remember what the apostles told you our Lord has commanded. Above all, understand in the last days, blatant scoffers will come. Being influenced by their own evil urges, they will say, where is this promise? Return. They're going to mock because they've been mocking for a long time. And they're going to mock even more. Uh, this idea, the whole idea, the whole premise I was telling you about, of what Christ did, is coming again. They're going to mock this promise. Ever since our ancestors died, all things have continued. They deliberately suppress this fact that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water. The world was also destroyed by water. Oh, this gets trippy. The present world is reserved for fire on the day of judgment. Don't let this escape notice. This is one of those things Peter is, is saying, don't keep this in the forefront of your mind. This, is, this whole thing is going to be wrapped up. And um, you, you almost, you have to constantly do that, not to be caught up in just the, I don't want to say trivial things of life, but there's just a lot going on in our lives. A lot of stuff going on. Um, hopefully, um, this helps put perspective. And, and this is really interesting what he gets into. I am convinced there is uh, some kind of time discrepancy, time warp going on. We don't fully understand time. Um and uh, he references here, a single day is like a thousand years with the Lord. The Lord is not slow on his promise. Uh, it seems slow. It seems long time. Uh, but I don't think we understand time. He's being patient towards you. He does not wish any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Um, that's what we've been reading with these prophets that, that came to Israel. He didn't, he's trying to get them out of it, even after he set the uh, sounded the alarm for the attack on on Israel, the day of the Lord will come like a feat. The heaven heavens will disappear in a horrific noise. What the celestial, body, celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze. The earth will be laid bare. We must conduct ourselves in holiness and godliness while waiting for the Lord. On that day, the heavens will be burnt up and dissolved, and celestial bodies will melt away. We are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth. Since you are waiting for these things, strive to be found in peace without blemish when you come into his presence. Don't forget the Lord is patient because he wants people to be saved. 
Why isn't it happening yet? Because of that. I'm glad he waited. I'm glad he waited for me. This is what Paul said. I love this. Some of what he says is hard to understand. Some ignorant and unsteady people destroy themselves uh, twisting what he has said. They do the same thing with scriptures too. That's certainly still happening. People twisting scriptures. Dear friends, you have been warned. Warning. It's a warning. Be on your guard and don't be led astray and fall from your firm grasp on the truth. How does that happen? By you have to continually uh, uh, realign yourself with the truth and continually re-grasp uh, that truth. Grow in the grace and knowledge. There it is again. Grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be honor now and on that eternal day. Wow, so much there. My goodness, incredible. Um, that's it that's the end of Peter um, I just uh, second Peter man that knocks me out it's got all the uh, <laughs> it's got all the uh, parts that I can um, really geek out on and, um, that idea has really come back to me a lot is this continual re-establishing our knowledge of Christ as our center of what he has done, remembering the past, remembering the future. Um, So incredible, man. Uh, It's a charge. It's a challenge. And um, I think it's real in this charge to remember that things are going to be wrapped up. It's not going to be uh, the way it is right now forever um, it's at the door and there's a reckoning coming and uh, and that's intense and um, um, I just love the love the way uh, he lays things out there and uh, he says as long as long as I'm in my body here I'm gonna remind you of this and I just love that because there's something real about that. And and I've seen this. I've seen this in Christians. I've seen this in my own life. It's so easy to go astray. It's so easy to get wrapped up in other stuff. Even after you've seen the truth. It's like you have to really work to keep this front and center in your life. And uh, I pray that for all of us. That we can keep growing in the knowledge of Christ and um, that that knowledge will overflow in, uh, in uh, our lives and in love and in uh, peace and joy for our lives as well that we can get through these trials these brief trials that they talk about brief uh, we can do it because we know what's coming we remember the future friends Remember the future, my friends. All right. That'll wrap it up, everybody. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. All right. Peace.